This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Happy Friday, y'all. Let's talk about how we've all managed the shenanigans this week. So today on CityCast Las Vegas, I'm here with co-host David Figler and journalist John L. Smith. And we're talking about the blowback from Hurricane Hillary, a sports better who might be the Kaiser Sose of Las Vegas, and the critters who've invaded our hotel rooms in recent months. Ew. It's Friday, August 25th. I'm Vogue Robinson, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Good morning, David. Good morning, John. How are y'all doing? Great, folk. I am great. Absolutely Friday. Yes. <laughs> the joys of Fridays. I love that you have so many books behind you, John. It just makes me like, okay, we're going to be friends. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yes. So we're going to start off with discussing Hurricane Hillary because I feel like there's been this weird like algorithm I've been seeing of people really saying, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal and like horrible memes that were just like, who cares? This is all fear mongering. But I know that that's not the case for certain areas of the valley. So, David, can you just break down what the heck has been going on and what's what's wrong with our people? Well, sure. Las Vegans love both talking about and being confused by the weather. Hurricane Hillary Uh, is what it was dubbed, uh, later downgraded to Tropical Storm Hillary, was headed our way. And that's something new for us. Um, There was some really good reporting in the Nevada Independent uh, from their environmental reporter, Amy Alonso. And she basically broke down how we're just not used to that kind of weather. Right. So uh, for people who don't really understand the difference between all these different weather systems, uh, a hurricane is, is really designates as such because of the wind speeds that's associated mm-hmm. with. It's basically something that happens uh, in you know warm climates over the ocean, and, and it usually dissipates before it would come to the West Coast. Um, it's been a really long time since anything was even heading our way like this. The state of emergency got issued. I think that was like Sunday, early Sunday or Saturday. The state of emergency got issued. Yeah. And for a governor who, you know, seemingly mocked a little uh, state of emergency uh, against his prior opponent, uh, he was pretty quick on that one, too. Mm-hmm. So it was coming from the county. It was coming from the state. Uh, and we saw a lot of rainfall over the place, maybe not from Hurricane Hillary in the Valley, uh, which caused to some people deriding all the warnings and saying that this is part of climate change hoax, if you could believe that there are still people out there saying that. But we saw six inches, seven inches, eight inches, maybe even the record nine inches uh, from the National Weather Service around the Valley, especially hard hitting in Mount Charleston and Kyle Canyon. And so, I mean, the the blowback from Hurricane Hillary, the news online has been like really fast, really brutal. People are saying the media has blown things out of proportion, that it's woke propaganda to underscore climate change threats. Like, is that 
fair, such a, John? You know, <laughs> Go ahead. Not to borrow a, a, a you know a phrase from from the president, but you talk about malarkey. I mean, here it is. Uh, you know, people are complaining because someone went all belt and suspenders to prepare for the worst. Mm-hmm. Now, had had they stayed home or gone golfing and not declared an emergency. Then, then they, then the response would be, "Well, you didn't do enough." Exactly, you know, if, it was negligent. If the worst were to happen, and and uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, especially for those of us who love the mountains so much, uh, the Mount Charleston area, I mean, it uh, parts of that community up there are devastated, and to not be prepared and to not push preparedness, uh, you know, and and training and and all of, all that goes with it, uh, and funding. Uh, is really uh, to court disaster. Yeah, and you live up in the Mount Charleston area, correct? I did. I did live up there. I don't. I no longer live there, but I lived up there for more than thirty years. Oh, and so we had major events. We we experienced flooding on a on a fairly seasonal basis, uh, but not like this. This was a whole other ballgame. You're right on, David. When you talk about uh, seven, eight, nine inches of rain. An inch of rain is a lot on the mountain. It comes off very quickly. It causes flooding, uh, and inevitably, you know, a road washes out. But all that can be handled, right? But not not when you're talking about four, five, six, seven, and more inches of rain. It's really uh, remarkable. Mm. Yeah, you know, we have a guest. We've had a guest on the podcast, John, uh, who calls himself the Mount Charleston Mountain Man. He lives up there, and and he's a lot of fun. Uh, he tweeted out, you know, a common saying uh, amongst uh, the the mountain residents is, "How's the roads?" Mm. Um, right. So, how how are the roads, John, up there right now? Well, you know, uh, all the information I've received on this issue is that there there's some um, uh, amazing damage that's going to take weeks slash months and perhaps more than a year to get back to a kind of normalcy. And also, of course. Uh, the issue of clean water and available water is going to be a big one because there are lines that are clearly appear to have been damaged and washed out. That that's one of those things that you you can't fix by repairing like like a one power line if a power pole goes down. If the if the water lines are out, that's going to take emergency action and then long term uh, construction. I think we all did expect it to hit the valley and go in a different way. I was getting, you know, texts from people who still live in California who were like, are you OK? I'm like, you asking me if I'm OK. Are you OK? I didn't realize how much devastation had happened in Mount Charleston because all I was seeing was the 20 years ago photos of the last flood. And so I think that's my, that might be why some of the people on social media were saying like, oh, it's it's a hoax. It's People were blowing things out of proportion because there were photos and video that RJ posted that was like, watch out for floods. You know, the hurricane is coming. And then at the bottom of the caption, it said these images and video are from 20 years ago because it was the 20 year anniversary of the last time we had a really heavy flood. And so in that way, mm, I don't think that that was well done. <laughs> I feel like there's no. other ways to to show. Well, it winds up it winds up being alarmist, doesn't it? It, it it's, yeah. a, it's alarmist and it can be misleading. It's one of those things that that uh, the media need to focus on uh, when you we were we were talking about climate change issues. While it's silly to question that climate change exists, it's also, in, in my opinion, uh, a disservice to readers and viewers when reporters lean on that so heavily as a kind of starter 
you know, we're going to talk about the weather today. Oh, the climate change, you know, I mean, it needs to be explained better and it needs to be explained, uh, you know, kind of over and over. <laughs> you yeah. know, we bring the news every day and, 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 uh, but explain, explain the science. Well, you know, our newsletter editor, Scott Dickensheet said, uh, he, he wonders if some people mock it because climate change is just too goddamn big to wrap your head around. Uh, and, and I think that that's probably true, too. Yeah. And, you know, regardless of what's happening on in the social media realm of how this is being framed, I think we have to look at, OK, well, what do we know for sure and be reporting on and discussing that? And so, you know, according to the Nevada Independent, like the rainstorm dumped near record levels of rain throughout the region. It's dialed back the state's drought and wildfire status. And like Which it's historically good. rare, but like there's a possibility of more f- these these storms becoming more frequent. And so I think long term, the governor, like the, the city, the county, everybody did their part to, to try to mitigate this as best as possible. And I think that's that should be the focus as opposed to putting out things that are like, look what happened 20 years ago. Be afraid. Yeah. Like, don't drown. Turn around. And um, yes, you should not drown and turn around. <laughs> but I know that humans, we're, we're hard to manage. <laughs> and fear sometimes is the best motivator. But in this situation, because so many people question everything, the closer we get to showing what is happening now, the better we are at, at reaching people and ma- helping them feel like they can trust whatever news is put out there and, yeah. and do some stuff to save their lives and prepare for these major freaking disasters. Yeah. And hearts out right. to Kyle Canyon and Mount Charleston residents. Yeah. Absolutely. So I've heard that pro sports better Billy Walters is back in the news with a new tell-all book. Uh, John, you've written about him. Who is Billy Walters? And why did you call him the Kaiser Sose of Las Vegas? Well, first of all, that was my effort at hyperbole uh, because, of course, Kaiser Sose is the man who always gets away with the crime. The, the book is called uh, Gambler, Secrets from a Life at Risk. It's just come out on a, an imprint of uh, related to Simon and Schuster. It's it's uh, already a best-selling sports book. Uh, it tells the story of Walters, who's essentially uh, a rags to riches story, rags to riches to rags to more riches, uh, to the Hall of Fame betting, to prison, uh, and out again. Walters was uh, born in Munford, Kentucky, uh, raised by a single mom uh, and a grandmother, and. And uh, he came out as a kind of high-flying uh, Ill- illegal bookmaker, initially a uh, sports gambler, two-fisted gambler, a two-fisted drinker for a long time. And, uh, <laughs> when he, when he, uh, That's a lot of managed... fists, John. <laughs> oh, no. Well, no, it's, it's, it's apparent. <laughs> it's, it's, it's He's an octopus of ice. <laughs> You're right. I take it all back. No, no, anyway, no. That was great. Uh, so, so, so when he comes out, he comes out to Las Vegas in the 80s. In the early 1980s, after he relocated to Las Vegas, ah. uh, Walters was the force and the brain behind what was called the Computer Group. It was a, a very, very successful group of sports bettors uh, that uh, the FBI actually investigated because uh, they believed they had Cosa Nostra, that is, mafia ties uh, and connections to organized crime, that they were moving money for illegal bookmakers all over the country. Uh, that was argued in court, and uh, indeed, Walters and his group prevailed 
they were not convicted uh, after being indicted. Uh, that was that was in by the early '90s. By then, Walters has has already emerged as a kind of character where he's he's a he's a, a you know a gentlemanly rogue, uh, a player who plays po you know he'll play poker all night. He'll 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 uh, play a pool for hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, a game. Oh my God! Uh, he was not only a, a great sports better uh, and handicapper, but uh, you know he was he had action on everything. After the computer group case, you would think that he would have kind of kept a lower profile. Indeed, the opposite was the case. He began, mm -hmm. he was investigated by Metro intelligence officers. He was investigated by people at the state. He was investigated by the Gaming Control Board. His opinions were so respected that sports books would move their lines to counter him. And when they started moving their lines, it was actually to the advantage of someone like Billy Walters, who is, who is out there to essentially uh, make the line uh, off what he considers the odds should be. And and uh, he made millions of dollars doing that. He branched out into car dealerships, golf courses. But where Billy Walters found most of his probably easiest marks, we'll put it that way, <laughs> was in city and county government. Yes, let's, he, let's he talk became, about that, right? Uh, he, he became the developer of golf courses, where uh, oh no way where not the golf courses john <laughs> there's so much drama around the vegas golf courses <laughs> yes right and the deals that he got were like like no one has received or very few people have received he also countered his image as that wise guy gambler with tremendous donations to charity i mean you if you go to opportunity yeah. village okay. billy walters and share and um Susan, his wife, are heroes at Opportunity Village. They're heroes in uh, the, the uh, uh, Hope for Prisoners uh, program. And then, just when you thought there wasn't more to tell, he gets busted for insider trading. Oh. John, there's no doubt that Billy Walters is a colorful Las Vegas character in the tradition of many before him. And you talk about his prison term and some interesting twists that took. So what was that about? Yeah, it's really interesting, and uh, from my standpoint, and it's one of the big stories emerging from the publication of the book, is that Walters, who has had this long, very tempestuous relationship with former and now disgraced gambling mogul Steve Wynn, he Ooh, he more drama. He, ga he gambled in in Wynn's casinos and beat his roulette wheel to pieces, and uh, for millions of dollars. And Ooh. people don't win it. We people don't win at roulette a whole lot. But he, he beat that. He beat the roulette wheel. Wynn thought he had cheated him, and they have not gotten along for years. Well, fast forward to that prison sentence. He serves some time. He gets up, put on house arrest because of the COVID pandemic, and then he's seeking a full pardon because he wants that stain erased from his record, as, of course, anyone convicted would. And the Trump administration decides at the, at the last minute to commute his sentence, that is to end the sentence, but he does not get that pardon. And he learns, according to his book, that the person behind scuttling the pardon was none other than his old enemy, Steve Wynn. Dun, now, dun, dun. And the, yeah, and that's the allegation that's leveled in this book, which is fascinating. So you've got these guys who are just insanely rich, but they've got time on their hands. They've got the clock of life is ticking, but they've got the time <laughs> on their hands, you know, so they can still poke sticks at each other 
and try to uh, try to harm each other that way. So it's a fascinating story. And and uh, uh, and at seventy eight years old, he's he's not riding off into the sunset. I imagine he's planning his next deal. Well, what's surprising to me, John, is you know of all the effusiveness about what is turning out to be a best selling book about gambling and his life. Uh, is it seems like a complete redemption. Maybe he didn't get the full full boat from Donald Trump, but he's looking for it from the public. I think Walters is seen as this uh, occult kind of hero in a in a country that now embraces sports betting. Rem- right. Not not many years ago, before the repeal of what was the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, just a few years ago by the Supreme Court. Uh, Nevada was the essentially only full-grown sports betting place that where sports could be bet on legally. Uh, outside, it was it was still this 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 night. Oh, it's it's riddled with crime and all, you know all of that. But now, everyone from state after state, more than thirty states, the the, the professional sports leagues that used to call Las Vegas names are now partnering with casinos. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's changed so rapidly. It's, and asking it's gonna... us, how do you do this? How do you manage your betting? And even That's if I right. watch like news from the RJ, a section of it is like sports betting. And I'm like, what is, what is happening on the Review Journal <laughs> YouTube channel? It's like, here's what's up with sports betting and like telling me the odds for bets. And I'm like, I don't want... I don't want to learn how to bet on sports. <laughs> don't teach me anything. Welcome. Come into the fold. More gambling. Everyone. Pretty soon it will be mandatory. You're going to have to bet. Uh, I don't want to. You know, you're just going to have to. I'm sorry. You're at a stoplight. And in the meanwhile, we, we forgive Billy Walters that he just cost us taxpayers in Clark County $10 million, right? Just blow that mm. off. Millions of dollars. And, and here's the thing. And this is not splitting a hair. Blame Walters. I think there's blame to be had. Hmm. But remember, he doesn't get those deals without some politicians who know better. Hmm. Yeah. Without people who are willing to bend the rules, even break the rules, uh, to further his interests because he scratches their back. Come well, shout out, shout out to Christian Kiliani, who I know was the one person who said this ain't right <laughs> when it was going down. That's for sure. From the very start, Chris G was right on the money. Well, speaking of one, this is super interesting and I feel like it needs to definitely be a movie because I would watch and, <laughs> and probably have a better. It would probably do well dramatized set in Vegas in the 80s. I would watch that movie. One, two. Uh, let's let's shift gears and talk about other reasons why people scratch backs. Let's talk about bed bugs. <laughs> oh, and bats. I love you, Vogue Ooh, Robinson. Boom. I will say that boom. every Friday. I love you, Vogue Robinson. <laughs> that was great. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's all because of you, John. Thank you for the. Wow. the it was a good pitch. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. <laughs> right now, my my headline is bed bugs and bats. Oh my! <laughs> so, you, <laughs> so we'll we'll start we'll start with the one that's the most outlandish, which is bats. So a group of visitors from Arizona, like eight people, back in April of last year, stayed at the New York New York, and they saw a bat rustling. Allegedly, they saw a bat rustling in the curtains. Uh, one of the guests 
threw a shoe at it and killed it with their shoe, a heroic person. And then they put it in a cup and put it outside of their bedroom. Uh, They supposedly called the person downstairs. Room service. (laughs) (laughs) And said, hey, can you come collect this bat? WTF. (laughs) Waiter, there's a bat in my soup. Oh, my God. (laughs) And according to the guests, they immediately the very next day, they called the Maricopa County. So it's Arizona and Maricopa County's Department of Public Health to be like, we found a bat. You know, were we exposed to rabies? We don't know what to do. And so Department of Public Health in Arizona was like, hey, they need to test the bat. And why they immediately called the Arizona (laughs) Department of Public Health is really interesting to me. But either way, that's what happened. That was April 2022. As of August, the group has filed a civil lawsuit saying that there was negligence, saying that New York, New York threw the bat out and that they didn't test it and they should have tested it. And because, you know, they threw the bat out and they couldn't test the bat to find out whether or not it had rabies, all the people had to go and get tested. And it was very uncomfortable. Well, painful, probably. And painful. So that's that's step one. Bats that's in the my, bat story. Bats, bats at the New York, New York civil lawsuit pending on the other side of, <laughs> of the party. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different locations on the strip from January 2022 to today <laughs> that have had reported like legit reported to the Southern Nevada Health District verified reports of bed bugs. Mm. We've got the Palazzo uh, MGM at the Sahara on the 11th floor, if you really want to be, you know, direct about it. <laughs> uh, somebody found a bed bug, squished note, it into note the... Note re- to self, uh, stay off the 11th floor. You know, I'm just telling people in case, you know, they want to know <laughs> that it's been... In the, that at, on the 11th floor, somebody squished it and there was so much blood. Um, so there's a lovely image for you. Rolling into this year, Caesar's Palace, somebody said they got bitten. Then <laughs> Planet Hollywood, which is also a Caesar's property, they did a 10-day treatment Moving into the trop in February of this year, it it's um it's a whirlwind. Oh, um, you left off um the yeah. one that everyone circus, is going to say. Well, in obviously, February of last year. <laughs> Oof. Oof. That's, so and that yes, beetle bomb. Yeah, and y- y'all, you want to know how I found out about this first? My friend who lives in Texas, who's coming to town for the book festival in October, she sent me a text, a screenshot, and was like, "Ew, gross!" And I just sent her a text back. Unsurprised. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, it's it's I devastating he... for the tourism industry. I'm going to tell you this. You know, we we could like you know make a little light about it, although we're not making full light about it. But by the same token, uh, at any hotel, let alone seven different properties, the word of bed bugs on the strip is it, it cannot be good for business. No, not at all. I think we've just scratched the surface. Oh, <laughs> you. <laughs> well, here's the thing, right? When you have that many people coming from so many corners of the world, you know, how thorough of a clean can you really give any regular hotel room? Is the onus on the hotels to eliminate every risk? Or is it, you know, you, beloved tourist or person on staycation, do you take on a little risk as a hotel goer? What do y'all think? Well, first of all, I think this is a great reminder, uh, lest uh, any of our culinary union friends not hear it, it's a great reminder to them to remind everyone that the housekeepers are important, hmm. that they should be cleaning rooms on a daily basis, that uh, you don't want a bed bug problem. Uh, you, you'd have to be, you know, on the, on the job, on the ball, uh, doing that all the time. The one risk that a lot of the casinos run 
is because they run leaner uh, than they used to, in my opinion. Uh, the cleanliness issues are super important. Uh, mm. The housekeeping issues become more and more important. And, you know, you're always going to have, I remember when the Riviera had an outbreak, they, they hauled the mattresses out to the back parking lot and basically uh, got rid of them, defumigated them or whatever they did. Anyway, they, they hauled, hauled them out of the building. Uh, so you, you've got, uh, David's right, you know, you've got this potential for a real, not just a, a, a health risk, but a really super bad PR uh, moment. Uh, and you're going to have issues. But the more aggressive they are in treating them, the better. Yeah. David, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing is that bedbugs don't just kind of come out of nowhere. They're, they're, exactly. They sneak in. They're sneaky little guys. But like John says. Hitchhikers. Uh, yeah, they are hitchhikers. <laughs> but John says, you know, you got to be alert. It should be housekeeping that discovers it, not the visitor. Right. They, they, they should be eradicated before there's any opportunity that it's it's hitting tourists. Uh, I, I mean, that's just good business. And, and so whatever they have to do, I think they have to step that up. Um, the, the, the bat issue is a whole, I think, different thing. Right. Batman. Da, na, na, yeah. Na, na, na. I mean, I went down the uh, I, I'm not going to say whole. I went into the I, I, I dug into the bat cave. cave. Uh, to find out information. I mean, you know, look, there's only one or two cases of humans contracting rabies per year in the United States. The least likely way of getting it is being just in a room with someone. And and then it's only if you're not sure if they landed on you or made contact with you. Uh, and so it's a matter of precaution. You know, we've been talking a lot about odds. It's a matter of odds. And it's very, very, very low odds that if you saw the the bat right off the bat, uh, and killed it. it. It's really unlikely that any of those eight people in a room. Let's put that off to the side for a second. That's a lot of people in one room. They but, weren't all staying. They were just, you know, maybe they were having an illegal party gathering. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, you know, here's the bottom line. Here is that while I think it was very, 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 very low, low odds, low risk that anybody in that room was really exposed to rabies. Um, there should have been a protocol in place. And again, this falls on the casino to make sure that they're doing the right things when these sort of things happen. But by the same token, uh, you know, it, it seems like properties need to be a little bit more cognizant of the consequence of a bad customer experience when it comes to stuff like this. Well from my perspective, too, I'm always, um, what is the word? Mm, paranoid in any hotel room. <laughs> I already know, you know, like I never do a black light test because I know better and I know that will probably um, be deeply disruptive. But what the what the Southern Nevada Health District says for people to do when you go into a hotel room and what I do is literally like the luggage never goes on the bed. You got to use the little little thing and like set it up away from your bed and away from the walls so that nothing can crawl onto your luggage. So when luggage never goes on the bed, inspect your sheets and your mattresses, check crevices and corners for like brown spots. And if you see a bug or you see something that's- Or a sus, dropping or anything like that. Yep. Immediately request a new room. And hopefully, you know, all of these hotel, casino, resorts will put in some really strong protocol and make sure that their staff is is well paid <laughs> and motivated to do their jobs to the best of their possible ability. Uh, because like you said, David, long-term, this just isn't good for the business. It's not good for the business. So we got to get it together. David and John, thank you so much for this conversation this morning. I have learned more than I would like to about so many things. <laughs> so I have so many things to share with my friends about uh, some more fun topics in Las Vegas. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for the invite. That was fun, folks. Next time I'll tell you the story about how a housekeeping missed a dead body in a room. Why are you like this? Because <laughs> I am. for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our lead producer is Sonia Cho Swanson. Our producer is Layla Muhammad. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets. And our hosts are David Figler and myself, Bo Robinson. Music is by OG Moose and All the Kimonos. We record this show on the traditional homelands of the Nuwuvi, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, go ahead and tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. Do all the things. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Take care. Okay, let's. (laughs) That's a great topic to open with, you guys. So this is a podcast um, with no with no segues at all, I assume, right? Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> very hard to segue from that. And very hard. Watch, protect yourselves, and be glad that our that our that we're not Texas.